You're listening to The Scrimmage with Daniel Hargrove and Justin Domashevitz. Why don't we have any local teams named the Seals? Was that a Seal? I thought you were doing like a dog that got run over by a car. Oh. It's really similar sound, I feel like. I always think of a Seal as like just a classic, like you drew, do, do real Seals sound more like they have prolonged sounds? Do you, you mean, do they go with like the mix of a wolf call and yeah. the Seal like I just well, did? The, yeah, probably yeah. not. I think okay. it's, I think it's just the, yeah. <laughs> the thought of seals makes me sad now because when we when you go to seaside, have you ever been to seaside? Yes. Okay. So have you been to the? It's like an aquarium. Yeah. At yeah, seaside, we just went there. Beginning of summer. The aquarium itself is pretty cool. Yeah. There's a spot where you see you feed the seals. Yeah. And they're just gigantic, fat, obese seals that yeah. obviously get no exercise <laughs> and have no quality of life. So I look at those seals, and while I, th- I should think, this is really cool. We can throw fish to the seals, and they jump up and catch them, and great job. But I just look at, oh, those poor, sad, fat seals. I don't care. Seals eat all the salmon. Hmm. I mean, they're supposed <laughs> to Not have those seals. They're in large, captivity. They're supposed to have a large layer of blubber, Justin. That's true. They had an extra large layer of blubber. <laughs> Okay, I'll which take your word to for me it. makes sense because the the pool that they live in is not very big, so no. there's not a lot of opportunity for exercise. Well, they do. There's the back pool there. A pool? The pool. You know, because there's a spot where like spectators are. Yeah. But did you ever see where the seals were like going to? No. Away to the left. No. Oh, there's like another place over there. You stop it. So I've been sad about these fat, sad <laughs> seals for all this time, and they're actually fine. They're probably fat and sad, but okay. it's not as sad as you think. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I feel better now. Yeah. Oh, I just remembered I should send our link to our friends and family because uh, they're the only people that listen I to just it. remembered we're doing a show today. Welcome to The Scrimmage. I'm Justin Domashevitz, Daniel Hargrove here with me, as well as trusty producer Andrew Gross. And hopefully, as long as everything goes smoothly later when we're talking about local sports, we will have Aberdeen head coach Todd Bridge on with us to talk about their massive win over 10th ranked Prosser awesome. on Friday, which was a good, it was a big upset, huge statement win for Aberdeen. They're three and one on the season, and we got we're gonna have a lot of discussion about that game. But for now, let's kick things off with the two-minute drill. Let's go, let's go, let's go, hello! Gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. Hey, two-minute situation. 44 seconds, hand the ball around. Gun do right, gun do right. Three jet buck guy, don't worry. Three. The two-minute drill starts now. Washington State beat Oregon State on Saturday in the Pac-2 title game. The Cougs moved up five spots to number 16 in the AP poll, and the Beavs dropped from 14, but only down to 19. Daniel, your alma mater, WSU, remains undefeated. Do they have what it takes to win the Pac-12? I mean, from what I saw in that game, they have the offense to win the Pac-12. I'm not sure about the defense, but the offense was awesome. Cam Ward was amazing. And there's some big-time playmakers. I think the defense might be a little too shaky, but if they get into a shootout with somebody, it's hard to pick against them. Like, that was a lot of fun. And also broke my heart. 
The Seattle Mariners were just swept by the Texas Rangers. Swept is putting it nicely, putting them three games back in the AL West. Justin, is the world ending? Is the season over? <laughs> the Mariners stink, and I hate them. <sighs> Daniel, the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know why I put an H in that. The Seattle Seahawks. Are they wearing hats? Just came up with a big win over winless Carolina. They have now <laughs> improved to 2-1 and one on the season, I think. Daniel, have they done anything? Have they done anything to uh, make you feel more confident after that big fart in Week One against the Rams? I mean, I do love big farts, Scott. So yes, <laughs> yes, I think that they look like a team that Super is moving Bowl in bound. the right direction. Um, they've got a ways to go before I think they're Super Bowl bound. But this is a team with a lot of talent, and I think they're going to do just fine. By the way, the game's still going on. So, well, they're going to win. They're though. going to win, except and for I, Andy Dalton for the touchdown, and two of our guys just hit themselves. Oh, did I just jinx this so hard? Thielen just got a touchdown, and now oh, he's, he's on my smack. fantasy team. He's talking a Is whole lot possible? of smack to Witherspoon, but Witherspoon should just be like scoreboard, bruh. Is it possible for Justin to jinx a team that he's like only vaguely a fan of? Dude, somebody like Next question. Oh, do we have another question? <laughs> oh, there is another question. That's why I paused so long. Several new rumors have surfaced this week regarding Damian Lillard's trade request from Portland to Miami. Toronto and Chicago reportedly are interested in acquiring Dame, and Utah, Brooklyn, Charlotte, and Phoenix could jump in as a third team in a deal with the Heat. Justin, as a Blazers fan, which of these partners is most appealing to you? Well, as a Blazers fan, which I am, biggest Blazers fan on the show, <laughs> um, I think of the players that have been mentioned, the one that feels most appealing to me because it fits so well with Portland's roster would be DeAndre Ayton, for no, former number one overall pick who plays for Phoenix. So if my, if Portland can make a deal with Miami to send Tyler Hero to Phoenix and DeAndre Ayton ends up in Portland, that feels ideal to me. But I wouldn't rule out the possibility that there could be a multi-team trade that would end up being better. Sorry. You're good. I just realized that Thielen had a ginormous game on my bench. <laughs> also on my bench in the other league. <sighs> Man, I've just been bad at fantasy so far. I, I think three leagues is too much for me, honestly. Three leagues, it feels overwhelming, and yeah. instead of doing some of them well, I'm doing none of them yeah. at all. <laughs> well, everyone has a different sweet spot, right? And it can yeah. change throughout your life. Like I, when I was a young man and didn't have a lot of other extracurriculars with my kids to worry about. I had four fantasy teams and it was totally manageable and fine. Right. Also, I cared a lot more about NFL football then. Yes. I care a lot less about NFL football now and I have a lot of other things going on. So to be honest, two teams sometimes feels like a little bit of overload to me. Yeah. But I just really like both of the leagues that I'm in. So I don't want to stop doing it. Yeah, I think. But I, I have shouldn't. Raheem Mostert and Adam Thielen on one of my benches. That's a lot of points. <laughs> That's a lot of points. A lot of points. A lot of points on the bench. I apologize for uh, extending that two-minute drill for so long. For some reason, I thought the CX question was the last one. So that's why I said I do like big farts, Cotton, and then just left yeah. it there, waiting for Andrew to hit the buzzer, and then got which, also, <laughs> which well, also sounds like a fart sound. So true. I thought it would have been great. Well, we are nothing if not extremely professional. Yeah. I can say that with confidence. So much confidence. Yeah. Justin, you watched the game. Uh -huh. What did you think about 
Washington State and Cam Ward. Cam Ward is a freaking killer, man. Yeah. And what? who was the receiver for Washington State that was making all those sick catches? Dude, I, that is a name we're going to have to figure out. It was number yeah. three, I think. I'll look it up. But it was I, number I, two or three, which is going to be tough because I'm pretty sure there's also number two and three on defense yeah, I'll for find them, it. But I college think, numbers. I think when I was watching that game, I was fully expecting Oregon State's defense to put up a little more resistance. Yeah, me too. Um, let's see. There's a guy for Washington State named Kyle Williams. I think that was him. He wears number two. I think it was that guy, wasn't Seven it? Seven catches for 174 yards and one touchdown. They yep. also had Josh Kelly. What? He wears number three. Okay. <laughs> so there's two different guys. He had eight catches for 159 and three scores. Yeah. Those two guys... Those two guys both. There were some catches were awesome. in that game that were amazing. Yeah. So so amazing that Daniel kept yelling at the screen, just turn around. Because all the defensive backs needed to do is turn around and find the ball. But instead, the ball was sneaking around them, and the Wazoo receivers were just snatching them with one hand. Yeah, exactly. Literally, if they would have turned around, it would have hit them in the stomach. Yeah. Ugh. Totally normal. <laughs> um, so I, I do not understand... I don't understand defensive back yeah. coaching these days. I just don't. Because you'll still hear people be like, well, I mean, that's a tough play. No, Not even just that. The broadcasters were like, you can't cover him any better than that. And I'm like, yeah, you can. Don't let him catch the ball. Yeah. Sorry. I forget. You know you. what's better than playing really good defense and having the ball hit you in the back of the head? Turning around and catching it. Or just even turning around and knocking it down. Yeah. Finding it and impeding the receiver from being able to catch also, it. Also, you get so much more leeway if there is contact, if you, your head is around. That's yeah. the thing. If you turn, guaranteed you can get away with having your other hand on the guy's jersey. Exactly. Yeah. Like that is, you will get away with that every time yeah. if you're turned and looking for the ball. Exactly. In fact, you'll probably get an OPI or a DPI, OPI, OPI on you. Yeah, it's really rare to get OPIs. If you're, I pe- feel if, like if it's underthrown and you're turned around catching the ball, though, that's well, I'm when not, you're going to get it. I'm not saying that it won't happen. I'm saying they won't call it. Right, right, right. Because that doesn't happen. Very often, <laughs> and it drove me nuts <laughs> as a cornerback. <sighs> I just was going the through. The secret is that Daniel was never a cornerback. He played receiver That's on true. the defense. That's a good point. I forgot to go through my notes before I wrote the two-minute drill questions. I was going to ask you guys about this Yusei Kikuchi story from this week. Did you see it? No, I missed it. So he used to be a Mariner a pitcher, and now right. he plays for the Blue Jays. Yeah. And he came out for the Blue Jays and had a particularly bad game. And then in the post-game comments, he said something like, I don't know, I had a hard time sleeping last night, and I only got about 11 hours of sleep. What? And so then it turned into this big... something lost in translation? No, it turned into a big national story. Apparently, he sleeps 13 to 14 hours a night. This guy! And only sleeping 11 was not enough for him. It was crazy. Dude, I... Justin, people usually look at me like I'm crazy when I tell them that I have lived most of my life on, like, five to six hours of sleep. Yeah. You went through a large chunk of your life where you would get like four. Two to four. Yeah. Yeah, try to steal naps when you can. Could you imagine three times the amount of sleep? I, f- I have overslept sometimes, and I wake up feeling really groggy. My my thought was he must have just amazing, like, musculoskeletal. <laughs> like, he's in really good shape there. 
which makes sense because he's a professional athlete. But if I sleep for more than like eight hours, I'm waking up with something asleep. <laughs> Something's wrong. Something hurts. Your shoulders out. Your neck's kinked. You know, when my son, my son is the most sad after a long nap. Like yeah. that when that is the most unconsolable my two year old will ever be is when his nap is too long and he wakes up and he'll cry for like forty five minutes. Yeah. When it's too short, yeah, he's fine. When I'm tired, I also cry for 45 minutes. So, there's that. Yeah, I've heard that about you. Well, is there anything else from Two Minute Drill you want to talk about? Do you have any Seahawks-related topics you're interested in? Or anything from the Pac-12? I mean... Football-wise? I'm just waiting for the Pac-12, for the rankings to come out, and Oregon State to now not be ranked. No, the, uh, no oh, they're, they're, they're out, out, and they're 19. Are they? Okay. Yeah. okay. So, they got knocked down a few spots. WSU is gotcha. 16, right? WSU is 16, correct. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So they, still... they moved, WSU moved up five spots. Oregon State moved down five spots. Okay, that's good. Yeah. I was I was assuming that Oregon State wasn't going to be ranked anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was expecting WSU to be ranked like 18th and, and Oregon State to be out also. Is Colorado just... still ranked? <laughs> they get, yeah. Are they getting that prime factor? They are. <laughs> Somebody uh, should send our link, by the way, to our text group with Ian and Rob. And then, Justin, are you in the group with Sean O'Neill? The baseball one? Yeah. Yeah. Because my texts aren't going through because we're out in the middle of nowhere. Oh. But I figured, like, hey, maybe they'll want to listen to our show. Wait, did Colorado <laughs> drop out of the rankings? Yeah, they did. Oh, snap. They did drop out of the rankings. So did UCLA. So now they've got a couple of Pac-12 teams out of the rankings as they're just beating up on each other. Yep. It, that's what we all saw was going to happen, right? There's yeah. still four Pac-12 teams in the top 10, I believe. Yeah, there are. They're all right next to each other because UW is 7, USC is 8, Oregon's 9, and Utah is 10. And then you still have Oregon State at 19, and you have uh, Wazoo at 16. I saw somebody say that UW could go undefeated the rest of the year, and they still would never get higher than seven. (laughs) (laughs) There would be like three two-loss teams ahead of them because of that. (laughs) I mean, that's possible. Like... It's. The, it would be more funny if it didn't seem entirely plausible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it is possible. Like the, I, seven is prob. They probably would get a little bit higher. They might get six, five or six. The thing is, there's three Big Ten teams in there, which I assume are all playing each other at some point. Because you have Michigan at two, Ohio State at well, four, like forty teams, and Penn State 10, at so they six. Can't play, all play <laughs> each other. No, it's the Big Ten. There's only ten teams. No. Who would you say? It was Michigan, Ohio State, and... Penn State. Penn State. Yeah. And then Florida State's at five, Texas is at three, and Georgia is obviously number one because they're in the SEC. Obviously. The best team in the SEC has to be number one. Obviously. It can't not be. Yeah. Because they play powerhouses like Vanderbilt. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think anybody will ever, like, just run a weird Google search for Vanderbilt and just a plethora of my... Like that's always where I go to. I, I would say be Vanderbilt. willing to bet if Every someone time. if someone did a deep dive yeah. on all podcasts in the history of existence, which podcasts mentioned Vanderbilt the most? We'd be up there. We would be number one. <laughs> Because you bring up Vanderbilt every time we talk about how Plus, the SEC the AI, is overrated. The AI sure. would get confused and count all your your uh, shots you throw at the Vander yachts as well. Vander oh, yacht. Good call. From Lyndon Christian. There's some really weird pro wrestling commercials going on. Oh, we might there. have to turn that TV off. Yeah. 
really <laughs> we have two screens in front of daniel today and, and one's my face and the other's just random stuff and it's both very <laughs> very difficult producer andrew in his infinite wisdom has realized that it indeed literally is best if we turn that tv off yeah good call hey yeah. we got somebody on the chat so Coach who is daniel it? on the line oh okay cool okay. i've got an update for the goals later that Sweet. will be coming awesome um let's move on Oh, Unless there's something, while he's gone? Well, no, I was gonna filibuster. You ruining it. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about from Two Minute Drill? I don't. I don't have a lot of real serious Seahawks opinions because it's at a part of the season where I'm still trying to figure out who they are. I'm, the fact that they beat Carolina doesn't really make me feel that great. I feel like, yeah, I'm still. I'm still reserving my right to have an opinion yet. Is okay. that how I want to say that? No, I'm withholding. I'm withholding my opinion so far okay. on the Seahawks. I'm still not sure who they are. And then as injured. for other stuff, they are injured. Yeah. yeah. As for uh, other stuff in the two minute drill, like the Mariners, I'm just beaten and broken. See, as a I didn't fan. know if you'd want to talk about that. Uh, Jared Kelnick walks a lot now. Holy crap! Has he struck out recently? Uh, he yeah. struck out once today, but only yeah. once. Yeah, <laughs> that's no. hilarious. Especially well, after last okay, week's so, stump, Daniel, we were talking about Tony Gwynn's strikeouts, where he yes. struck out 188 times in a decade. Yes, just nuts. Yeah. Um, gosh, they scored a bunch of runs today, and yet there are some key moments where they just had some like not competitive at bats, mm-hmm. like big time moment. When you need something to be at least competitive, and it just wasn't, and you're like, man, even on the days you score eight runs, one of the most blaring, glaring things is an offensive thing. It's like, how do you do that? But at least Canzone at hit the least, ball hard at the at the end. Yeah, like, at least at least they scored runs and were yeah. fighting today. Exactly. Yesterday, yeah, a, seriously, you start. Without Kelnick in the even in the lineup, seriously, so dumb. And you start with you're in one of the biggest games of the year, and you have Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty in your starting lineup. Yeah, and Ty France, yes. who recently has been playing like a Frenchman. He's poorly. This, <laughs> I, I love Ty France, and me too. But he's so bad right now. He has been so bad this year. Yeah, just brutal. And yet they just keep. Keep running out there. It's really frustrating. Although he did go two for four today. A huge Kansas City fan, though. Love those guys. Yeah, thank you, Kansas <laughs> City, keeping us in it. All right, I think that's, I think that's all I can muster because if I start okay. talking more about the Mariners yeah. and their prospects, I'm just gonna start crying. Well, I'm on board with keeping this segment of the show fairly short because I think we have a very robust local sports roundup yes. and also. We will be talking a lot about some things that happened in high school sports. So, without further ado, let's move on to my favorite part of the show. Ooh. Serving questions up on a silver platter, where the points are made up and the rules don't matter. Time for Stump Daniel. Which reminds me, we haven't thanked our sponsors yet. Well, thank you to the sponsor of Stump Daniel, yes. which is the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. What's the A stand for? No relation. Also, we have Spivey uh, Realty Group, which is the sponsor of the Spivey Athlete of the Week, which we will get to at the end of the show. I know everyone is waiting with bated breath, but sometimes we literally don't decide who the Athlete of the Week is until we're discussing it. Yes. That happens a lot of weeks. Sorry, but we're going to make you wait. (laughs) Yes. 
Daniel, for this week's edition of Stump Daniel, brought to you by the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz, I didn't have, like, something cool or special or fun. <laughs> or good. <laughs> really? Or, like, even... You're really upselling. ...enjoyable me. at all. No, nice. So, I thought... I found a couple of... Uh, from today's football action, a couple stats that I thought were... Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I thought and you were going to say lame, but they No, they're work. interesting. The way so, you were, you know, promoting this before, I thought it was just going to be another. They're bad. Oh. So I'm just going to say that. They're just, okay. they're not good. This is a bad segment. We should give our sponsor a refund oh. for this segment. Oh, no. But I like money. Well, tell okay. him to talk to Justin. Yeah. yeah. Justin who? <laughs> no relation. So I found a couple stats and I want to see if you can guess the player that is related to this stat. So Keenan Allen today. Had a really good game for the Chargers. I think he ended up with 18 catches. Okay. But as part of this performance, he also threw a 40-plus yard touchdown pass on a trick play. Nice. So Keenan Allen became the second player in NFL history to record 10 or more receptions, 100 or more receiving yards, and also throw a 40-yard touchdown pass in a game. Who was the other player to accomplish this feat? See, in, in my mind, I'm going through this, there's like, I've got a whole Rolodex of receivers or running backs I know who, who typically I'm throw. guess, yeah. and I hate him. Okay. Don't like him. I also know who you're going to guess. Wait, so hold on a second. All right. Can I guess who you're going to guess? <laughs> Should we just say it on three? Okay. One, two, three. Heinz Ward. <laughs> <laughs> Also, that's not the correct answer. (laughs) (laughs) But I think we both get a point for having the exact same thought. And a guy we hate. Um, My my next thought was like another stealer because Antoine Randall L. used to also throw a lot of passes. There's also some running backs like Walter Payton threw a lot of passes, but I don't know if he played in an era that they threw it to him enough for him to have 10 catches and 100 yards. What about another stealer, Cordell Stewart? Ooh, that's an interesting one. <laughs> Slash. He didn't, he didn't catch enough. Well, though, he didn't right? have a position. He just played all the positions. Right. The answer to this actually is the GOAT. Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice? Is the only other player in NFL what? history to have 10 or more catches, 100 or more receiving yards, and also throw a 40-yard touchdown pass. Which is funny because I cannot picture Jerry Rice throwing a football. Neither can I. Can you? I didn't even know like his arms made that motion. Yeah, they do. No. Well, they did at least once. Are you sure he didn't, like, kick it down the field to him? I don't think that's legal. Probably right. It's called a punt, if you do that. I'm still mad about that. Yeah. (laughs) Next question, Daniel. Okay. Patrick Mahomes recorded his 22nd career game with three passing touchdowns. We've now descended to a point where you have a blitz ball in your hand and you're playing with it. I've got this like I wrench. It, it's a wrench. It's a, like a socket wrench thing. It's just in my it's hands. It's a bottle opener. It's also a bottle it's opener. It's also a wrench. Yeah, it's a wrench slash bottle opener that was just on the table, so I'm just playing with it. I've been sticking my finger in the hole and like swirling it around in there. Um, it's very distracting. Anyway, getting back to what I was doing. Patrick Mahomes recorded his 22nd career game with three passing touchdowns and no interceptions. That ties him with the most in NFL history before the age of 30. Who is the other quarterback? The only other quarterback. And don't get don't get uh, scared because I'm waving a wrench at you. <laughs> who is the only other quarterback who has had who had 22 career games with three passing touchdowns and no interceptions before the age of 30? 
It's a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. And it's not very many interceptions. It's no interceptions, as a matter of fact. Uh, oh. If you think... Sorry about the dings, people. We have we are working through some things, trying to improve the show, and part of us being able to bring in guests is that uh, sound has to be on on the computer sometimes, and some dings are going to come through. Mm. So sorry, not sorry. Daniel, answer the question. Dan Marino. I'm sorry, but it is not Dan Marino. That was a very good guess. I mean, terrible guess. I was pandering. See, I knew you would at least say good guess if I said Dan. Marino. <laughs> You're right. You really hit a soft spot for yeah. me there with Dan Marino. Yeah. yeah. And my dolphins. Yep. Um, oh, they're the, your dolphins again now, are they? They are after today. <laughs> I rooted for them as a child, and I am reclaiming them as my team, effective immediately. Nice. I sent in my application for fanhood. <laughs> the answer to the question, in fact... You're applying for reinstatement? Yes. <laughs> Do you have, like, a full-time person on call that just handles all of your fan paperwork? Uh, my attorney does it for me. Who's <laughs> not related. Not re No relation. He handles all that for me. Also, he's the one who uh, handed down the fanhood of the Dolphins, so he's good with it. The answer to the question, in fact, as everyone who's watching this show right now is screaming at their phones or computers, it's Aaron Rodgers. Of course it is. You have to be a state farm guy. So you're 0 for 2. Yeah. Bad job by you. Terrible. This has been Stump Daniel, brought to you by the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. And that will conclude this segment. I only had two shots! But we did get that Heinz Ward thing together. That, that was, was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. That was like a really good bonding moment. I felt really close to you <laughs> in that moment. We were really connected. <laughs> Do you know how many career passing attempts Marshawn Lynch has? Three. You're right. Woo! <laughs> Give him a ding! Give him a ding! You're one for three, buddy! Yeah! <laughs> I was I, I remembered one for sure, so I looked it up to see. <laughs> I remembered two for sure, so I just threw out the three to be safe. There you go. That's the way to do it. Educated guess. Yes. Well, I think unless you have anything else you want to get to, I'm really excited to jump into local sports. So let's thank our sponsors again. Which commercial are we doing here? The Is one it that the one that I need to do? No, the one that okay. plays. Okay. So we are the scrimmage <laughs> brought to you by Spivey Realty Group and the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. We're going to talk about a lot of local sports. A lot of it. On the other side of this commercial break. Do you have a legal situation and need someone on your side? Let the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz be your advocate. If you've been the victim of medical malpractice, suffered a personal injury, or need representation with real estate law, small business law, or estate planning, let Jeff Domashevitz put his 29 years of experience to work for you. Call Jeff Domashevitz today at 360-612-3991 or visit domashevitzlaw.com. That's D-A-M-A-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z-L-A-W.com. Thank you again to our sponsors, the Law Office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz and Spivey Realty Group. Realty is a weird word. Realty. I'm thinking of Realty. like asking if you will switch out your wrench for yeah. this Sharpie because it's less threatening. <laughs> but I'm a little worried that you'll start messing with the cap and get black ink all over your that hands. That will definitely happen. Yeah. Also, which if which side is more intimidating if I wave it at you? The the bottle opener side is bigger. It is. So yeah. and it also seems more like sharp, like it could cut into you if I hit you with it. Not that I was thinking about hitting you with it. <laughs> but is this side more intimidating or if I turn it around to the wrench side, which is more intimidating? I think the bottle opener side. Alright, I'm gonna keep the bottle opener side up then. <laughs> <laughs> 
process of the bottle opener side was a little confusing. That's yeah. why I was more intimidating because I, it took me a second to realize what it was. Yeah. And then you're right. There's that like sharp bit in the hole. Yeah, right there. That that'll scratch you. Scratch you really good. Um, are I think we're ready. And. Okay. Yeah, we are ready to go with the logo. I was trying to... You took the I was, wrench, though. I wanted to Where's see... Where's the blitz ball? Yeah. I wanted to see if uh, the Monty recap was the first game again, because no. I was going to read it. No, biggest game. <laughs> headliner goes first. Are you saying that Monty's game last week was the headliner? Yeah. When they blew out Columbia White Salmon? Yeah. <laughs> what else would be? Let's get the local port round. I'm going. <gasps> Aberdeen pulled off an impressive victory at Stewart Field on Friday, taking out 10th-ranked Prosser, 27-25. Take that, Mustangs. The Stangs <laughs> scored on the opening possession, then the Bobcats defense held them scoreless for almost three quarters, while Aberdeen built a 20-7 lead. Prosser scored three times in the fourth quarter, but Aberdeen's defense held on two two-point conversion attempts, securing the win with a stop with just 40 seconds left in the game. Grady Springer passed for 176 yards, including a 54-yard TD pass to Aiden Watkins. Springer also rushed for 31 yards and a score. Paul Baltazar and Nolan Cook teamed up for a huge play in the first quarter when Baltazar blocked a Mustangs punt, then Cook scooped it up and ran for a touchdown. Aberdeen's other touchdown came on a run by Watkins in which he appeared to score, but the officials ruled he fumbled before he crossed the, the goal line. Luckily, Edmund Brown pounced on the ball for the Bobcats. Aberdeen will start league play against Black Hills on Friday. Sticking with football, Elma defended its home turf on Friday against Columbia White Salmon, led by sophomore quarterback Isaac McGaffey. The Eagles won 27-6. McGaffey, who was filling in for injured starter Carter Studer, rushed for a touchdown, threw a touchdown pass to Jacob Meadows, and returned an interception for a score. Elma also scored on a trick play when Bo Muller threw a 32-yard halfback pass to Jackson Schneider. The Eagles, now 2-2 two two on the season, will make the short trip to Olympic Stadium to play Hoquiam on Friday. Ian Cope and Daniel will be there to broadcast that game on 1490 KWOK. Hoquiam is coming off a 76-7 loss at Nooksack Valley. You didn't have to mention that. I didn't want to put a full story about it, so I thought I'd just throw it in there real quick. Uh, Fourth-ranked Montesano's football team hit the road for the third straight week and improved to 4-0 with a 35-7 win at Castle Rock. <laughs> I was trying to think of a mean name to call Castle Rock, but everything just came out a little too dirty. That was on Thursday <laughs> night. Ref shortages suck. Senior fullback Gabe Bodwell, Gabe Bodwell, <laughs> carried the load for the Bulldogs offensively. <laughs> offensively? <laughs> offensively. Gabe is so offensive. He was offensive with his offense. <laughs> little column A, little column B. <laughs> with 193 yards and three scores on 21 carries. Athlete of the week? Monty sophomore quarterback Tyson Perry performed admirably in place of injured starter Jackson Wilson, passing for 122 yards, including a 22-yard touchdown to Tucker Eaton after a nifty move to avoid a sack. Perry also rushed for a score. Monsano will host Shelton 
on Friday in its last non-league contest. Raymond South Bend beat Adna 62-36 on Friday. Ravens quarterback Austin Snodgrass ran for 137 yards and three tutties, passed for 97 yards and two scores, That's five. recorded 10 tackles, and had an interception return for a touchdown. That's six. Athlete of the week? Robbie Stegall rushed for 116 yards and a touchdown while also racking up 13 tackles on defense. Farrell Johnson ran for 52 yards and a touchdown and also ran the opening kickoff back for an 83-yard TD. Oh, yeah. The Ravens will host Forks on Friday in South Bend. Sporks. In volleyball, Hoquiam took care of Raymond South Bend in straight sets on Monday. Hoquiam was led by Caitlin Broadhead, who had 12 digs and 28 assists, and Faith Prosh, who had 11 digs and 11 kills. On Tuesday, RSB Volleyball bounced back with a straight set win of its own over Chief Lashai in Puyallup. RSB was led by Cassie Koski with six kills and eight aces. Aberdeen won a league uh, Sorry, yes, there. <laughs> Aberdeen won a league volleyball match against Rochester on Thursday 3 to nothing as a team the Bobcats served at an 87.5 clip converting 63 of 72 service attempts. Claire Modiger led Aberdeen going 20 of 21 from service line and four aces. Cameron Michaud dished out 22 assists and Lily Camp led with 9 kills. Sorry, I got distracted on no the problem. last one. No in problem. golf, Aberdeen traveled to Alderbrook Golf Club in Union on Monday to beat Shelton 244 to 253. A trio of Bobcats shot a sub-50 round. Baylor Ainsworth shot a 42, Charlie Ansich a 47, and Hunter Isley a 48. I remembered. Okay. You paused for a second. I was just helping you out. Thank you. Yeah, just supporting you. Like Hunter. we did with the Heinz Ward thing. Hunter yeah. Izell. Elma hosted Kalama <laughs> at Oaks Ridge Golf Course on Tuesday and won 172 to 194. Grant Vesey led the way for Elma with a 41. Trey Yeager shot a 43, and Kaysen Seberg and Robbie Santos each shot 44. <laughs> Sorry, we're getting some comments in. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Where are we at? Which one did you just read? Montesano <laughs> there defeated. There we go. Montesano <laughs> defeated Lasetter 182 <laughs> to 188 on Tuesday at Lewis River Golf Course in Woodland. I'll do two in a row. Monty was led by Aiden Sauer, who shot a 42. Elma's girls' soccer team improved to 5-1 and one with a 1-0 win over River Ridge. Take that, River Ridge, on Monday. Betta Valentine scored the match's lone goal, assisted by Miley Seberg. The Eagles picked up another win on Thursday, 6-0 over Napavine. Valentine, which rhymes with Napavine, and Macy Adams does scored... What? Doesn't. It kind of does. It both has an I. Shut up. Then Macy <laughs> Adams scored two goals apiece. It works in a rap song, Justin. Montesano improved <laughs> to 4-1 and one this soccer season with a 6-1 win over Evergreen Vancouver. Bethany Henderson, Michaela Stanfield, and Jalen Butterfield each scored two goals for the Bulldogs. Monty coach Fidel Sanchez praised defenders Carson Wintrip and Dakota Parks for their ability to build plays from the back line. You could win a trip to the Parks. Aberdeen picked up its first win of the girls' soccer season. You are season out of control. On Tuesday, it's it's a lost cause. Topping Black Hills four to nil. Annie Tro scored two goals for the Bobcats. Abby 
Mino? Manio? Ooh, I'm sorry. Not I'm, sure about that one. I, I feel like I'm butchering that one. Sorry, Abby. Recorded one goal and one assist. Delaney Shoemaker also found the net for Aberdeen. The Bobcats picked up another league win on Thursday, 3-2 over Rochester in PKs. My Mino, Mino. Sorry, I'm struggling. With I that would one. probably say Mino, but I actually don't. I also don't know. Yeah, and Mino? Zoe Tro scored the goals for Aberdeen in regulation. Hoquiam also picked up its first soccer win of the season on Tuesday, beating Il Waco 5-0. Jemima Perez, we know that name, she's a goal, yep. scored a hat trick for the Grizzlies, and Chloe Dietrichs added two goals. Perez and Dietrich also each had one assist. Aberdeen won 9 of 12 events in a 128-50 victory over Eatonville in a swim and dive meet on Wednesday at the Grace Harbor YMCA in Hoquiam. The Bobcats got victories from Kira Burns in the 200-yard freestyle, Mia Hood in the 200 individual medley and 100 freestyle, Sailor Heikola in the 100 backstroke and the 1-meter dive, and Ariana Alaves in the 100 butterfly. And that will conclude the local sports roundup. That was a very robust... Local sports roundup. Am I wrong in saying that the butterfly was just like a torture technique that they turned into an Olympic swim event? Yes. Like, it looks like the worst. Andrew would know. It, but I I really liked butterfly, what? but it's incredibly difficult. Like, it's it's it takes a ton of effort. It's like a maximum effort the whole time, but you feel like you're going the fastest you possibly can go. But you're it not, It feels right? like you're flying. But you're, you're not, right? You're basically flying through the water. But winning the butterfly faster? is the swimming a ver- swimming version of a tutty in no. football. Oh gosh, dang it! Now <laughs> and Sean I said that only because Sean commented that he didn't want to hear the word tutty anymore. And the name is pronounced Manio. Manio. That's that's a, I think. Thanks, that's Rob. Also, Francis texted us and said that comments are turned off on Facebook on YouTube. Is that just for him? Because yeah, other we probably just blocked Francis. <laughs> like other people are commenting, Francis. It, it's it's you. <laughs> We have just decided no more comments from Francis, apparently. Um, also, I, I didn't do that on purpose. You we, did it on purpose at some point. Andrew, Probably. Andrew, I hate to be doing a production on the fly here. Do we have a link for Zoom, a new one? or? Yeah. Okay, oh, so no. if you want to send that to me. So here's what we'll do. Francis we're gonna, said swimming is in meters, not yards. Did I mess that up? We're going to talk about... We're going to talk about... We're going to talk to... depends on the level of swimming. Ah. Uh, there's too I much think. happening right now. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. Sorry. I was talking. Daniel was talking. Andrew was talking. And then I decided to talk when you were talking. I know. I'm sorry. It's, it's really... We're doing some things. The and whole Daniel has two screens in front of him to distract him. Yeah. And uh, also, I'm trying to do production on the fly while the show is going on, which is not the best look. But we're going to do it today because I want to make sure that we get this... Uh, uh, we get this going. So what we're going to do is we hope that Aberdeen coach Todd Bridge is going to be able to join us and we're going to get a link sent to him to join us on the Zoom. And Which hopefully, hopefully will be better than the Skype. And then as soon as he is ready, he will join us and we're going to talk about some stuff uh, until that happens. I feel like you calling it the Zoom really sounded like a boomer. Oh no. Just just throwing that one out there. Well, that's a bad job by me. Join me on the Zoom. <laughs> the Zoom call is that better? I think, I think that's better. You could just say join us on Zoom, not the Zoom, not the Zoom. Um, but you know, 
I've been saying lots of old people stuff recently, so I'm so just. Gonna... I, this is not helping with my the fact that you're calling me an old person. Mike phone is not cooperating. Sure. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> okay. The Zoom link is sent to Coach Bridge, so whenever he can jump on and join us, we will have him come in and join the conversation. Aiden is excited. Oh, what did Aiden say? Aiden said, "Oh, this is gonna be awesome." Okay. Good. <laughs> So we will have Coach Bridge on, and while we're while we're waiting for him, let's talk a little bit about this game. Yes, I didn't get to witness it with my eyes, but I did feel like I did the next best thing. It is the next which best is thing. listen to the voice of Grays Harbor, Ian Cope, call this game on the radio, and I'm telling you, he did a phenomenal job. He's- really thoroughly enjoyed it. He sucked me in. I was very engaged. I think um, there was a couple weird things that happened at the beginning of this game. First of all, it's a long trip from Prosser. It's a very long trip from Prosser. Very long trip from Prosser. And then the Prosser football team... I don't care. The Prosser football (laughs) team hit some traffic on the way there, so they were very late. Good. And I think (laughs) they didn't get there till like, roughly 5.30, and the game was supposed to start at 6, and it it delayed, and it got kicked off at 6.15. So I was thinking, like, oh, are we going to see bus legs? Is Prosser going to struggle early in the game? But then Prosser came out and they just drove right down the field and scored a touchdown on the first possession. And I was like, all right, they're okay. Yep. So in my mind, as the number 10 team and the favorite, they no longer have the excuse of bus legs because they proved, hey, we came out right away, even though there was a delay and we drove right down and scored a touchdown. Exactly. Then things really changed because not only did Aberdeen get a touchdown from Aiden Watkins, they also got a blocked punt. By Paul Baltazar, which was picked up by Nolan Cook and run into the end zone. And, you know, anytime you're rooting for an underdog, as I was, you're always thinking like, all right, where's the, when's the momentum going to change? Where's going to be the thing that goes wrong? And it really just didn't happen until the fourth quarter. And even then, it wasn't Catastrophe City. Right. So Aberdeen just kept building on it. You know, they were, they were able to move the ball a little bit on offense. But the big key there was that they essentially went three quarters since Prosser scored on the first drive. They basically went almost three full quarters without allowing the Mustangs to score again. And while they did that, they built up a two score lead. So when the fourth quarter rolls around and the Mustangs score, and then they get within one touchdown. And then again, then you're looking at it like, all right, well, here's the point where the momentum's going to turn. And the team that I'm rooting for, that's the underdog is not going to win because that's what our life is as fans in Washington. And and just in general, when you root for underdogs, yeah. it kind of goes that way. Yep, yep. But then Aberdeen responded with another touchdown, which, depending on who you ask, was scored by Aiden Watkins or it was recovered by someone else. I'm telling you, shout out Daily World here because uh, Ryan Sparks had a really good video that was pretty much right down the goal line in nice. the newspaper article. Nice. I watched it. Aiden was in the end zone. Like, there was not a question about it. He stretched the ball out. He was in the end zone. After the ball was clearly in the end zone, somebody knocked it out of his hands. Right. And it fell. And it didn't matter because Aberdeen got it anyway. Right. So in my book, I'm counting that. It's not official, but in my book, I'm counting it as a touchdown by Aiden. I like it. So we have... uh, Aiden's counting it, too. There's no question in my mind he was in. It wasn't even like one of those things where I watched the video and I was like, eh, maybe that was close. No, he clearly stretched the ball over the goal line. Easy. So they get that touchdown, and then I started thinking, man, this is a hill to climb for Prosser to get back in it. Then Prosser figures some things out offensively. They score three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. One of the times they decided to go for two because there was a defensive penalty, 
and they got it shortened from two to one yards. I've seen it a hundred times in high school football. When you have one yard to go, you decide to go for two. The Aberdeen defense that was so stout for three full quarters turned them away. Nice. Didn't let them in. And Prosser has a big dude, like a really big guy, which you'd think, I want to say he's like 230 pounds or something. Like you'd think, oh, I have a huge guy. I just give him the ball. He runs into the end zone. No big deal. No. Didn't happen. Then at the end of the game, with 40 seconds left, Prosser scored a touchdown to get them within two and had a shot to tie the game with a two-point conversion. But I think it was Micah Schroeder coming in, applying Coach pressure to the Bridge quarterback. Coach is uh, here. Hang oh, on. awesome. He'll be here in just a second. Okay, so we had, I think it was Micah Schroeder uh, forcing pressure up the middle, forcing an incomplete pass, and at that point, all Aberdeen had to do was pretty much successfully make sure that they re- recovered the onside kick and didn't let something horrible happen, and they held on for the win. Hey, we have Coach hey, Bridge. Hey, we have Coach Bridge. Coach, can you hear us? I can. Can you guys hear me? We can hear you just fine, and Absolutely. we are we are recording and we're live right now. And so, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Turn up my volume a little bit on you guys. Well, wait a second. What's going on here? Hmm. All right. Can you still hear us? Yeah, oh, I can hear you. I know what it is. Okay. So I've got. Let me see here. Talk. Go ahead and talk now. Okay. Testing one, two, three. Can you hear us? Okay. Nailed it. All right. Perfect. All right. Hey, Coach Bridge doing production on the fly just like we did. Exactly. And we've got it all working. So we're we're very excited to have you on to join us after what's a huge statement victory, not only for this year's team, but really for your program. You know, you can go back um, quite a ways before you find a, vi- a victory that has this kind of impact. So can you tell us kind of what you, in your mind, what were the keys to the game and what were the things that you guys did really well to knock off this 10th ranked Prosser team? Uh, number one, things that we did really well. Um, we uh, minimized our mistakes primarily in the uh, penalty category. Yeah. Um, as, you're, as, as is well documented in the previous three games, um, we struggled at, you know what? I'm going to turn off this backlight if that's okay. <laughs> yeah, sure thing. Yep. And yeah, what bridge, what coach bridge is going to tell us is about the penalty issues for the Bobcats in the first few games. And they really narrowed right. it down in this one. Yeah. Um, I think we ended up the night with four previous week. We had 16. Wow. Um, can't blame that on a different officiating crew. That's a different Bobcat team is what yeah. it was. And so, um, and then I just the kids did a great job of, of playing within the confines of the game. Um, it took uh, took a, this Prosser game. There's a little bit of vindictiveness, um, a little bit of um, settle the score. Not settle the score is not the right word, but uh, you know, a lot of the boys they really loved the last year's seniors and those boys mm-hmm. that. Um, like you give an example, Marcus Bell. Um, Got about halfway through the first quarter, and then his football career ended. He was a senior last year, and um, we love Marcus. And Marcus is uh, um, one of those young men that puts everything out there. He's, he's your typical Aberdeen kind of tough kid, and that was it. His season was done. He had a nasty fracture in his uh, his clavicle shoulder area. It's not even it's not it's technically not even a clavicle the injury that he had so and it put him and it spun him for real we really uh, put him into a tailspin he's not the only guy i remember at halftime we looked like 
some of these guys look like zombies walking back on the field. They're limping and dragging a leg and stuff like that. And uh, um, a lot of things worked against us last year. And so the term flip the table came to my mind um, about Sunday afternoon or something like that. And I preached a sermon on it while they did 100 up downs for their um, atonement, if you will, for uh, the penalties that they committed. And I, I, we, we coaches, we kind of play judge in that, in that um, there was actually 120 yards of penalties, but we looked at it and we're going, hey, two of those holdings didn't happen. So anyways, we, we wrote off 10 yards each, and the kids appreciate that, and they know that we're being real with them, to use their terminology and and uh, but they did a hundred up downs, and I talked about what the term "flip the tables" means. So I love that. So you felt like this win, not even started at the beginning of this week, but really after the game last year, coming in mindset wise, and then setting the table or flipping the tables this early this week in practice. Yeah, there's um, there's games that when you take a look at your schedule. Uh, there, there's certain games that are highlighted, you know, in your mind. And uh, definitely Prosser was a game. And there's nothing – I mean, it's not like we hate those kids or there's an, a rivalry of any sort. Uh, they're actually well-coached, very well-coached, well-behaved. Even after the game last year, they were like, hey, sorry you, you, know, sorry you drove 16 hours or whatever it is to have this happen to you. But um, they're good kids. I mean, they, they, were, they were classy all the way. Um, and we all know, I mean, that, that there's so many things that could have gone differently, but in, in, in that game on Friday night, and I'm not the one that made this up, but they always, they say, whoever they is says there's five plays that could go either way and it changes the outcome. Let's just say Paul Balthazar misses the block punt. Uh, let's just say that Nolan Cook decides to fall on it instead of scoop and score, which I was screaming. I think I actually popped my larynx. Scoop and score, you know. <laughs> don't just drop on it, please. Don't. <laughs> um, but you know, or the or the or the um, the PAT that bounces off the stinking upright. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, oh, ding. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just doink at Aberdeen Field. Um, there's so many things that could have gone the other way. So, but it worked out for our favor, and we'll take it. I actually wanted to ask you a little bit about that Baltazar blocked punt because often when I hear about blocked punts in high school games, it's usually some like, you know, what your fast linebacker or somebody who's screaming in off the side and gets in to block the punt. But you got Paul who's, you know, pushing 300 pounds and about 6'5", getting in there, just bullying his way in to make that play. I was wondering, like, for, for you guys at that point with, I think, was the game tied at that point? Or was that the first score? Seven. Yeah. So what did you think about what that did for momentum? Like just having a big play like that can really energize your sidelines. Did you feel like it made a huge difference? Turn the world upside down. Yeah. hundred um, percent. We would go on to score again and then we'd go on to score again. So it was 14 to seven at halftime mm-hmm. and they're kicking off to us and we route, we just uh, coach Brian Hollitz had a plan at halftime. He and uh, Rob King up there in the booth, former couple Montesano, Guys, well, and they have Forks connections and Wazoo connections, but we look past all that, so <laughs> um, <laughs> the Wazoo part. Anyway, um, 
Yeah. Former and, Husky uh, here, Todd Bridge, for yeah. those who don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, and it's a, it's a, you know, he's a, he's a coup. Hollis is a full on, right out of Wazoo, he's a Pullman loving, breathing, <laughs> eating the cheese coog all the way. But, um, anyway, but, uh, no, that was a, it was a, it's a, it was a crazy momentum burn. Now, here's an interesting point. There's a, there's, there's, there's theories about punt your punt team, you know, um, like we like to get our big boys off the field. Uh, Jabron and Paul, Jaden Roarborn, if he's out there, uh, that's a thousand pounds of human being and three dudes and they don't need to, they don't need another 50 yard sprint. I mean, they're, they're burning more calories than I am just sitting there. So, um, we like to get them out to feel as much as we can and Prosser like to do that too. Um, but because Prosser would, uh, leave their quarterback as their punter and McClure would, uh, he's starting shotgun and you don't know if he's going for it or not. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they actually went out and fourth down a couple of times and, and we would shift and sometimes we didn't even shift. And what I mean by that is that they shift the quarterback drops from about a five step, you know, five yard uh, shotgun formation. He steps back about eight or eight or so feet. Now he's at about eight or nine yards. Pretty close. It's pretty close. Um, and did they bring out subs? Did they did they get their big guys off the field? You know, I have to go back and review 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 footage. But it makes you think a little bit sometimes that if they're taking off their blockers and they're replacing them with coverage fellows. Why don't we just run those coverage fellows off with our thousand pounds of human being that we have? And um, Paul blocked one Friday. Jabron blocked one the week before. Right. Oh, I forgot about that. That's That's right. (laughs) Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, the coaching staff just kind of got lucky, right? (laughs) Be honest. So we'll take luck. I I say, I mean, every Friday I'll get hundred times. Coach Bridge, good luck tonight. And I always say it's better to be lucky than good. <laughs> but I'll take both. But yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, we'll get to some of the usual suspects in a second. Um, you know, we've got some favorites on this team who really stand out a lot every game, it seems like, like Aiden Watkins and Patrick Walsh is becoming another favorite of mine. But I, I'm wondering, if is there somebody who – maybe we wouldn't think of as much right off the bat who either they made a bigger impact than normal or took a big step forward in this game to make some plays that you're really proud of in this game that maybe people outside the program wouldn't know about. Danny Springer. Danny Springer went for 177. Eight out of ten. Um, and, and you know, like, oh, but those are just quick slants and he's just hitting the guy and he's only passed. I mean, the, the ball – out of those eight completions, might have spent 55 yards in the air total, <laughs> and the kids bust it. But but what that is is um, that's Grady making the right read. So we had a game plan. Again, I come back to Brian Hollitz and and uh, uh, Rob King. They they looked at it and uh, that whole league, oh that whole league, that whole maybe central Washington, eastern Washington, for all I know. But they play a lot of seven-on-seven, seven, and that's kind of a their, – their offense is kind of a seven-on-seven seven derivative. Um, and as a result, everybody wants to – well, get pressure on the quarterback. Make him move because everybody 
you know, there's there's very few quarterbacks out there that when they're running around, if they're mobile at all, number one, that their accuracy stays the same. So make him uncomfortable, get him moving around, throw an errant pass, a couple feet off here. We can tip a ball. We can pick up an interception or something like that. So as a result, uh, they packed the box on us just like they did last year. And just like many teams do, they packed the box box on us because we're a run-oriented uh, uh, style of offense. But what that does is it wide open RPO game. RPO game is wide open. Um, and that is designed that if the quarterback has the presence of mind and the cool composure, then the outside backers are never right. They're just never right. So we're going to run – we're going to run an RPO at you or going to run an RPO away from you. And that outside linebacker, if he steps in, we're thrown over your shoulder. If you step back, we're running up your belly. So um, that goes that goes fully on Grady uh, Springer. Um, probably has got about mm, 10 or maybe 11 starting games under his belt. And this is a kid that didn't play quarterback. Um I think it was his sophomore year. It was the first year that he played quarterback. Oh, there was other dudes in his class, kids that don't even go to our school anymore, who played that position. And um, now he's that guy. So, so I wanted to say first of all, uh, I'm going to take an opportunity to eat crow here because there, <laughs> I you probably don't concern yourself much with our weekly pickums. Uh, but there's five of us who picked, and only two of us picked Aberdeen in this Prosser game. I will say the two people who picked Aberdeen are sitting here in this room with me right now, Daniel and Andrew. I picked the biggest blowout in favor of Prosser. So if there if there's imaginary crow here, I'm gonna take a chance to just eat it. I was wrong. I'm very. I had. I think I picked 42 to 14. Yeah. Yeah. So bad job by me. And I'm honestly, I'm so glad that you guys proved me wrong. <laughs> well, just let's be honest. Uh, they were coming in at two and one. Uh, they got, they got, they got, they didn't physically get the tar kicked out of them, but um, they got the tables run on them pretty good by a very good 4A Skyline High School. So mm-hmm. if you guys actually have money on your bets, you're actually not dumb, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would have. If you're like, hey, Bridge, there's a thousand dollars writing on this. Like, oh, okay, um, right. But I liked our focus all week. It was a different level than it has been, um, and uh, this has just been on it. We've been talking about it all summer long, and I don't know if maybe you know kids have been looking past our three previous weeks. I don't know how you can look past week two, but anyway, um, hmm. I don't know if our kids have been looking past the three previous weeks. Just to say, you know, we we want that we want that vindictive game. We we want to we want to pay these guys back. I mean, um, <laughs> Prosser drove. I think the guy. I think Chris said uh, Chris Ingvalson said uh, they drove six hours and forty three minutes, and then we gave them three hours of hell, and they got <laughs> back in their bus and went six hours and forty three minutes back home. Oh, my my math's got that at like 16 hours or something without a McDonald's stop. That's, That's not a fun road trip. Not a There's fun road nothing trip. fun about that at all. Yeah. It, it's, and it, honestly, it's, it's an event that can break your team spirit and takes you a while to recover. And those guys play Ellensburg next week. If you guys bet on that game, I know I'm, I'm, I'm not picking nothing against Prosser, but 
Ellensburg big. Uh, they're physical. And Prosser's looking at losing two games in a row. And the Prosser's looking at being two and five. Ooh. Um, yeah, but they're good. Don't get me wrong. Hey, that number two inside linebacker that they got, McClure's very accurate with his passes. Um can't remember the receiver's name. He's number 15. He's a big old dude. I mean, he's as tall as Patrick Walsh, but he's got kind of more of a Paul Balthazar build to him. And um, But our little sophomores, you know, we got um, Adonis out there playing at the corner. And, you know, every time you see the ball thrown at that guy, I mean, Adonis has got to be giving up 100 pounds to this kid. And he just, like, sucks onto his leg and, like, thank goodness that kid's a wrestler because he's doing a single leg right now. Um, but, uh, no, those kids, they, they they played lights out on the edge, no doubt about it. We thought for sure that that guy would just take him and shoom, stuff his head down and shoom, scamper off, and we'd be looking at, you know, similar situations to what were happening last year, so – yeah, I did want to ask you about Aiden Watkins, too, because I have felt often like Aiden tends to step up and have really solid individual performances against some of the best competition. Um, going into this game against Prosser, and I already mentioned that they're 10th ranked, they, they're also they're a perennial power. So this is a team that has been very good for a really long time. And Aiden had an excellent game, scored two touchdowns. I'm giving him the one that they didn't give him in in the official stats because I watched the video and he was across the line. Um, right. So Aiden had a great game. So wh- what does it do for you offensively? Like, especially because, like, you guys have a really good core of talent. You also have a lot of really young people out on the field. you got a lot of sophomores that contribute for you. So what does it do for you to have someone like Aiden with the confidence to step up and regardless of who the opponent is, have big performances? Well, I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to take anything from Aiden whatsoever. Um, he is very passionate. Well, he's a very passionate person. Um, he, I love hanging around with him and just sh- shooting the breeze. Um you know, outside of the whole football setting and things like that. Um, but quite honestly, um, I wouldn't say he had a bad performance against Monty. Um, but if you go back to week one against Hoquim, his all-purpose was 211. That's pretty legit. It was yeah. a quiet 211 because when you're averaging 25 yards of punt return, right? <laughs> I mean, that's like, you say, you say, Punt return, or do you mean kickoff return? No, punt return. Um, usually there's dudes in your grill, and he's, you know, dipping and weaving and causing them to miss and look silly. And, um, I, you know, I, I don't think Hoquim's downfield coverage is that bad. I mean, he just averaged 25 yards of punt return, so which is a pretty, you know, stupendous number. I don't – I don't – I haven't uh, taken a look at the stat sheets on what his kickoff and punt return was on Friday – but between catching and between receiving and rushing the ball, he's at 137, I think, or something like that. And I'm pretty sure he probably picked up 60 yards of kickoff and punt return. Pretty sure. So that puts him at another 200-yard night. Yeah. he. I'm very impressed with any kid who's good at punt return because – as anybody's tried to just kick a punt coming down or catch a punt coming down without people in your face, that's one thing. But also, you got a high punt. You know, if you run up five steps, that means you're five yards closer to someone trying to take your head off. And yet, it seems like he catches the ball on the run half the time heading downhill. And it, it just shows a fearlessness that not many people have. 
Years ago, uh, I was working under, I was actually coaching under a guy named Steve Schultz. And he was a punt return specialist back in college. Um, and he introduced me to this. We just need a gambler. We need an ice in the veins kind of gambler guy that um, even if it hits the ground or the turf or sod or whatever, is willing to stop that ball from picking up another eight to 15 yards off the bounce because that's all about field position it might be first and 10 but it's first and 10 at the 12 instead of the you know the 27 and then you know you so you picked up those 15 yards just off a stupid bounce and if you if you if you if you even return it eight yards well let's do our math that's a that's a 23 yard field flip uh that's two and a half first downs when you're looking at the math of things and as they say, every inch counts in the game of football. So he comes in. Uh, on it. I mean, I quite honestly, I think of of all of his, of all his attributes. If he wants to play at the next level, which he does, um, I think one of the points that I'm going to put together as a highlight film for him is is uh, you know tell the UPSs and the PLUs of the world that look what this kid can do after he touches the ball, especially on your kickoff and punt return teams. So. So uh, I guess the next question is, you guys have Black Hills next week, so um, how do you feel like the momentum from this game, do you think this makes a big difference going forward? Your league is brutal. you got Tumwater, WF West in there, competitive teams in Rochester and Shelton as well. How do you feel like the momentum from this game helps you guys moving forward? Well, one thing, you gotta main you got to maintain that momentum. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got to grow up. We have to mature a lot real quick we don't have time to sit back and enjoy this really quite honestly uh for a couple factors um like you mentioned this is a really difficult league and we feel that if you are the number two team or maybe if you're the number three team in our league if i look back at my at recent history um i think it's four out of the last ten number threes have gone down south and beaten the number two so wow. those aren't bad odds, you know, considering you're traveling and, and whatnot. Um, but if you're a number two and you're hosting their number three, it's not a guarantee, but good grief. You better start making plans for the following Saturday because you're probably <laughs> in the state playoffs. So cracking that glass ceiling against the Tumwaters and the WF West of the world, um, that's our goal is, is to get through that glass ceiling and just – Hey, what's it like out here? You know, <laughs> look at this fresh air. Oh, you know, but um, is it, I, I believe we're pretty sure it's 1998. This is the last time that the Bobcats um, were in the state playoffs. I kept correcting people in 2019 is we're in the playoffs. I said, no, this is a play in. There's a difference between play in. And I had to repeat that. I'd explain that to so many people. And I'm like, what is up with these guys, man? <laughs> we're, we're not in the playoffs yet. We got to beat Ridgefield down there in 2019, and that didn't even come close to happening. So, um, but you know, um, the maturity level is a big deal right now, and that's on us, on the coaching staff, to make for sure that you know uh, every day we got to get better, and that's just the bottom line. If if it doesn't matter if Black Hills is 0 4, they were in the state playoffs last year, and you weren't. So there you go, number one. Um, here's another factor. We believe it was 1993 that the last time that a Bobcat team won at Tumwater District Stadium. That's 30 years ago. 
wow. Um, we we believe. I mean, I I don't have a stack of annuals here or you know archives of the Daily World or anything like that. And I surely don't have microfilm so or microfish <laughs> film or whatever those things you know. Um, and I certainly don't have the time to research it. So if you guys got some spare time, I'd appreciate that. Um, I'm, that's what I'm selling. I'm saying I'm calling it a quarter of a century since we've won on that field in, in, you know, at that stadium. And, uh, you know, I, I go, go back to 2019. We probably had a really good chance of beating those guys there, but we, for some reason, did not travel well, uh, in 2019, uh, we haven't traveled well until recently, meaning that we get on the road and we just kind of don't play as good as we do in front of our friends. So that's another level of maturity that we've got to grow up, not just as our kids, but as the entire program, that when we get on our buses, we expect to win. Just we, this is what it is. We expect to win, even though we're on a bus and we're going somewhere else and you know we're listening to our music instead of dinking around the locker room or whatever they do before games nowadays but um that's that's the maturity level that we've got to do and so you talk about momentum hey if you got momentum big challenges keep it so long answer there well no that's good all that's been good this has been a great interview lots of good information here uh we are definitely rooting for you guys all the way uh, and we'll be pulling for the Aberdeen Bobcats to get into that state playoff berth. I think that would be really cool to see. So we wanted to say thank you so much for joining us and congratulations on a huge win. Did you have anything else about the game that you felt was important that you wanted to mention uh, before we have you sign off here? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to tip my hats to my, we talked a lot about our offensive guys and how they were quick score and stuff like that, but there was a lot of uh, defensive standout in, in moments where defensively um, like that an entire second quarter, there was a scoring drought. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I put together a scrapbook for the boys and I just copy paste the daily world and maybe edit it a little bit, um, add a little flash here or there, but not nothing against uh, uh, Ryan. He does a great job, man. That guy is overworked. <laughs> um, sure. I'm getting messages from him sometimes at three 30. I'm like, dude go to bed <laughs> but if he does we don't get a paper so what do you, well, i don't know what you, what you want to do there but anyway um but you know it's just uh uh it's 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 an it's an excellent opportunity for us to to do something we haven't done aberdeen hasn't done a long time um making strides at the program level not just this group of kids but at the program level um but our defensive coaches uh john takagi covering the secondary uh, again, with the help of Rob King in the middle of all that, uh, David Terrence up front, Brandon Brooks working with the D lineman a lot, um, and uh, and John Bowers that oversees the whole thing. They had a great game plan. Um, we made adjustments after that first drive. On the first drive, we we looked at um, how Prosser was running. They 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 run counter two-thirds of the time, and then they ran a wedge one-third one, one of the time. That was all they ran offensively. So there's basically, if you were um, a defensive end or an outside backer, and we had our outside backers were reading hats. So, I mean, it's a high hat, the guy's pass blocking. If it's a low hat, the guy's blocking. So read hats, and um, our defensive ends were pinching down pretty tight, but their aiming point was off of the outside um, cheek pad. <laughs> of the uh of the offensive tackle 
Well, first play was counter. And kind of like, well, I kind of expected him to throw the ball in the first play. And then they threw the ball. And then, and what it was is the guy up in the booth is looking at their huddle, their sideline huddle going, oh, they're taking away counter by pinching down. And so they adjusted real quickly. And again, it's a great coaching staff that they got. They have lots of experience, uh, lots of deep playoff experience. You talked about that a little bit, and I'll elaborate just in, in a second if we have time. But um, um, they adjusted, and they logged it. So they would wrong-arm our guy. They would wrong-arm our defensive end and pin him inside, and that running back would bounce it outside, and they just scampered up and down the field. The uh, first two plays were pretty much null and void in their first series and the next five averaged like 15 yards of play and they were running counter the one thing that we thought we were pretty confident taking away and then our coaches just made it an adjustment on the sidelines and um, we fixed that and kind of stuffed counter for the rest of the night now we talked a little bit i just brought it up a little bit about prosser i did some history on that it was in uh i don't i don't know if you guys go to the game or anything like that but uh, we do a senior profile mm-hmm so we have two seniors that are on the sheet there and then um, color copies kind of it's really nice it's it's something that the kids can keep and hold on to for your, a while your program by uh, the way not to cut you off but your program is excellent when when we visited and i bought the program on my way in it was pretty cool like lots of good notes about individual players and the game plan or like what you know about the opponent and stuff i was pretty impressed with that well that that's me that's me stealing something from my college coach yeah i'd rest his soul but Don James and the UW program, they always had a senior profile on the front cover, and they would talk a little bit about him and on the inside. And uh, um, I decided because we have enough seniors, then I'm going to do I'm going to do two. And so I think it was uh, actually I don't know who it was it was Patrick and Gibran this week. And then um, on the backside, that's just that's just what I learned from Don James of being. Um, just being open with the public, let people know that you kind of do know your X's and O's, even though you kind of mm-hmm. wonder sometimes, scratch your head, like, I think I know what he's doing. <laughs> um, and then just to kind of enlighten people a little bit of, hey, this is our mindset coming in, and this is the big picture of things, and kind of brings everybody in, the crowd kind of brings them into the know, if you will, of uh, what's going on behind the scenes. And I, I don't have a problem with that. I'm a, I'm a very transparent individual. Um, what you see is what you get. If I'm ticked off, you know, you know, <laughs> if I'm being a screwball, you know, that one too. Um, but, uh, the, one of the things I talked about on the coach's corner of the back sheet, uh, was, uh, the history of Prosser and it is, it is dazzling. I mean, it's not as, it's not as maybe as glamorous as Tumwater's because Tumwater's the one that keeps knocking them out of the state playoffs. <laughs> it looked like, but, um, Seven out of the last 10 seasons that there has been a playoff. You know, we got to go back to COVID and there was no playoff that year. Um, seven out of the last 10 seasons, they made it at least to the quarterfinals. It's like, wow. geez. And if you, if you, if a kid who is a freshman, let's say, and his team goes to the quarterfinals at least every year, that's an extra two weeks of practice. And by gosh, that's pretty much a full season of extra play and extra practice that he got. And, you know, that's, that's that's one of the things that really helps out the Montesano program is those kids get two or three weeks of extra practice every year. 
you know, and of course we could be out practicing too, because legally you can do that. But I'd have about that many kids after day three. <laughs> so, like, this is dumb. It's raining sideways. What am I doing? I'm gonna go play basketball or wrestle. You know, so right. But um, it's it's uh, that's that's one of those things where it's kind of like the have-nots struggle, and those that have keep progressing, and makes that that makes that gap bigger. And I don't know how to fix it. I don't. I don't know if there is a fix. You know, how do you create that parity? You know, like in the NFL draft, they have that parity. The worse you are, up for the higher up in the draft you get to choose. We don't have anything like that in high school football. So it is what it is, and we just got to deal with it and break through that glass ceiling and um, and take care of business on Friday, and and then and then we'll look at Tumwater, but not until then, one game at a time. All right. Well, hopefully uh, making the state playoffs this this year will be the first step towards you guys kind of building that few extra weeks of practice year in and year out. Coach, thank you so much for joining us again. This is Todd Bridge, uh, former Washington Husky, I believe Rose Bowl winner, uh, Washington Husky. And well, I've played in three of them, only one, two. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's pretty good still. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, two out of three bad. ain't bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thank you for joining us so much, Aberdeen head football coach Todd Bridge. Um, we will go ahead and let you sign off here and best of luck the rest of the way. You bet. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks, right. coach. Mm hmm. Bye bye. I think now would be a great time for a commercial break um, before we get to the rest of the show, including our Spivey Athlete of the Week. So, Spivey Realty Group's goal is to make buying, selling, investing, and renting real estate in Grace Harbor simple. They believe in 100% transparency and unparalleled communication with local expertise, tech-enhanced, and top-notch service for their friends, neighbors, and community. Their goal is simple. Get a group of strong-willed, hard-working people together who want to make a difference in Grace Harbor and to use real estate as the means of achieving that. Voted Grace Harbor's best real estate company. Find them on Facebook or visit graceharborrealestate.com. Spivey Realty Group, elevating small town real estate. Whew. Thank you again to our sponsors, the law office of Jeffrey A. Damashevitz and Spivey Realty Group. And Andrew, I never knew how hard live read commercials were in, until I had to start doing them a little bit. <laughs> I, I should probably... Should probably uh, <laughs> should probably record something there. <laughs> you know, it's up to you. I thought you did great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, that was great to have Coach Bridge on. Uh, lots of great insights there onto that team. And, you know, we, we kind of run out of time a little bit because there are so many other kids that I would love to get him talking about. But he's a good interview because he gives you long answers and that's what you want. But it also means that, Oh man, you know, if I'm used to coaches interviews that are like five word answers at the most, but then with those, I'm like, okay, well tell me about this kid. Well tell me about this kid. But this one with Todd, he does a good job of like, Oh, that's a question. I'll answer that with a story. And I liked that. It was, it was really nice. Yeah, that was but, great. Um, Justin, what did you pick up? out of that interview about this game that um, maybe you couldn't have picked up listening to the radio broadcast? Well, I think um, I really appreciated the fact that he brought up Grady Springer. Mm -hmm. um, the passing game of Aberdeen has been something that even as they started 2-1, and one, 
has been kind of criticized a little bit and like where you know todd kind of made the joke coach bridge kind of made the joke that like oh you know i gotta show that i know x's and o's because people kind of look at you like oh does this guy know what he's doing and one of the things that probably gets questioned the most is the passing game and why do you pass and why do you pass in certain situations and i think it was kind of magnified in the centralia game because i believe they went 0 for 8 in the passing game yeah and with 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 the caveat that two touchdowns got called back. Right. Yeah, we learned that from Rob. So yep. thanks, Rob Burns, for making sure we knew that. But in this one, it felt like every time they passed the ball, it was the perfect scenario to pass the ball. Like, I think it was, to me, that was a combination of like, hey, you've dialed up the right game plan and your quarterback also is executing the plays that are in front of him. The pass that Grady made to Aiden on the touchdown, well, yeah, Aiden was open. But that was a touch pass that had to be in the right spot to keep him going in stride, and Grady made a great play. The other thing is, I don't. I, the reason I asked about Baltazar on the blocked punt was, as a lineman, you really don't have a lot of opportunities to grab headlines, right? Right. So, like offensive line, if you have a great game, your coach might shout you out, but nobody knows. Defensively, you only have a great game if you have a bunch of sacks. Yep. So you got two offensive linemen there in Paul Baltazar and Nolan Cook who got to have a huge impact on the game in a way that not only did they make an impressive play with Baltazar blocking the punt, Cook scooping and scoring, not only did that result in seven points, it also, like, you you didn't see this when I asked Coach Bridge that. If you're listening audio only, you couldn't see his hands. He put his hands one above the other and then rotated them so you'd see... This was a 180. Like the momentum change that Baltazar and Cook had created there, really, you, you, it was in tremendous. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I really appreciated the way that he answered that and and how much of a difference that made because that was early, that was in the first quarter right. that that happened and how much that helped Aberdeen turn the game around. And I'm glad we got more insight behind that play because yeah. me hearing it, I'm like, oh, Paul Baltazar is like six five. Did he just block it at the line of scrimmage? <laughs> yeah. you know. But no, that was kind of cool to hear uh, more of the background behind it. You know, with how their quarterback was their punter, and so right. they had to be really careful with that and make sure that. You know, they're not the Oregon State Beavers and have a fake punt run for a first down on them in a big situation. But anyway, I digress. Uh, um, Francis chimed in and said that he was at the last game. The Cats beat the T-Birds in Tumwater. He said it was a great game. Parbin, Beck, Mizen, Ladd, Tudor, Gamboa, and Manoa were some of the stars. And I'm pretty sure that's back in the the 90s. Francis? You're old. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I want to do, we got two more things, I think, in the show sheet before we get to selecting athlete of the week. One's a goals up. Oh, three, actually. One's a goals update. One's talking about Monty's win over Castle Rock. And then I, I really wanted to do some kind of preview of the Elma Hoquiam game. I know we're going to get to cover it a lot. That's coming up on Friday, and you and Ian are both going to be there. But I want to at least throw out something that we can give people players to watch in that game. Okay. So let's start with a quick goals update because I got some the stuff from Coach Daniel. That I don't bring my rosters because I have I've have a Hoquiam roster from doing oh, one of their games earlier. So just I do could, it all from memory. Ugh, It'll be I'll fine. I'll do my best. It's gonna it's be not fine. gonna work great. Um, so for the goals update, the Premier team, the Boys U15 team, played to a one to one draw. Which, if you've been following us, you know these guys are playing in a league that's above the league that's above the league that's above the league. Right. 
So, and actually they've, they've <laughs> surprised everyone and even probably themselves and their coaches by being at the top of the table as of last week. And they played to a one-to-one draw. So playing to a one-to-one draw in this league is actually a really good game. Um, it's Michael Garcia was the one who scored the goal assisted by JB and Rigo was the player of the match with an honorable mention to Yvonne um, at left back and uh, he had an injury at some point during the game but that he he played really well before that for the boys U11 team they played to a 2-2 two to two draw Leo got an assist and Levi got the goal. Troy got an assist on an Alexander goal. Um, Asher Reifenberg was player of the match because he really stepped up on defense using great um, body control. Sorry, I think I might have had a typo in here. Um, Troy Valentine <laughs> as an honorable mention for coming in as a forward and changing the play of the game and helping get the assist for the goal in the game um, it was oh, it was nothing to two in the first half, and the goals had to make a comeback to tie that one up. For the boys' U13 team, they got a two to nil win. Uh, Julian Geo assisted a goal. Oh, sorry, Julian got the goal. Geo assisted, and then Naldo got a second goal in that one. And the player of the match, I think this might be another typo, but it looks like the player of the match was Zippy. Wait, no, that's a different game. Player of the match, I'm gonna go with Naldo. I'm sorry. I wonder if Daniel's still in I'm struggling here. (laughs) This is not Daniel's fault. This is my fault. (laughs) Uh, The girls U14 team had a 1-3 loss and had a lot of chances and actually dominated the game but just couldn't put the ball in the net. This is the one where Zippy comes in. Oh, okay. Zippy scored a beautiful 30-yard free kick in the second half. I don't know if anyone knows this, but 30 yards is real far. That's a long goal. That's a long way (laughs) to score a soccer goal. So congratulations to Zippy on that one. Um, And then in the Sunday game, they had a noon kickoff for the BO5 team playing Wenatchee, which was in first place. Um, And they were still playing at the time this message was sent. And they were up 2-0, to nil, and then they ended up winning 2-1. to one. So, Ruben had an assist on an Yvonne goal, and Gio had an assist on a Javi goal. So, con- that's a that's your goals update. Uh, we also got, I'm assuming this is a little bit more updated. Okay. Because on the comments, uh, Coach Daniel says, BO9 select won 3-2 in the final minutes versus NSC on a PK. Uh, goals were Trevin, Talon, and Talon. And assists were Talon. Wow, Talon. A lot Talon, of Talon there. Talon, Talon. Are there Talon. two Talons, or is it just one or Talon it, doing all this damage? Right? Player of the match was Christian Perez for playing center back. Not Talon? <laughs> right. After multiple <laughs> heavy challenges. Maybe there's three Talons, and oh, they all wow. just did one of those things. That led to the team having three injuries and no subs. Honorable mention was Talon okay. with two goals and right. an assist. I was about to get mad. Like, I don't get mad at Coach Daniel very often. He seems like a really nice guy, but <laughs> Talon needed some recognition there. Oh, then he said, sorry, two players of the match, neither of them Talon. Oh. Christian and Zeke. Zeke oh. played right back and controlled the whole right side, playing as a wing and outside back the entire match. He also won the corner that led to the PK. This is actually one of the things that I appreciate the most about Coach Daniel. Because when when we often cover soccer, we're talking about goals and assists. Yep. That was why in the local sports roundup, I saw the quote from Monty Coach Fidel Sanchez about the defenders. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to throw that in there. 
because we don't really mention the defenders and many of them are, they played just as an important role as the goal scorers do. So one of the things I appreciate the most about coach Daniel is he gives us a real good uh, idea of, you know, how everyone impacted the game, not just the people who put the ball in the net. Absolutely. So that's our goals update. So let's move on to Monty's win over Castle Rock. On Thursday. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. I know as I was walking off the field with a few of the players at the end, they were going, and it's like almost 10 o'clock at night at this point. Right. They're going, oh my gosh, guys, we have to go to school tomorrow. (laughs) It's brutal. Because they got, you know, the hour and a half ride back, and then you're beat up. You know, after this kind of game, because I would say this was a 35 to seven win and it was a convincing win. And I think that Montesano played really well, but Castle Rock was not a pushover. Like whatever Montesano got on offense, they worked for. There weren't a lot of, you know, big there were no Bodie bombs. There weren't any big 64 yard plays or anything like that. There was maybe a couple of explosive plays by Gabe Bodwell. But for the most part, these were long winding drives they had to work for. Castle Rock is a very physical team. And on the other side of the ball, the Rockets actually drove pretty far into Montesano territory in their first two possessions and then just didn't finish them. So this was a, it's a Castle Rock team that I would not put in like the bottom rung of, wow, these teams are terrible. Like they're, they're a team that's playing without their best player because they're Ibsen, I think is his name. Um, He, I remember him from last year. He's a phenomenal athlete. He has a broken foot. So he's out. You know, I, I don't know if he's out the whole season, but he's a senior. I feel terrible for him. Yeah. Um, I would also add that Castle Rock's quarterback, who I believe is a senior this year, and I feel a little bad for forgetting his name, but Castle Rock's quarterback played a heck of a game. Um, he was responsible for the one touchdown they had because that he was rolling out to his left. He faked like he was going to throw, faked like he was going to run. Then he goes up and he makes a throw into the end zone. He had another touchdown in the game that was dropped by a receiver. And then two plays when they were trying to come in back, trying to come back and they started bombing the ball down the field. He threw on either sideline an absolute dime that they would have been really hard catches because the coverage was good. I think on one side it was Tucker Eaton. And then the other one was Tarek Gunter for Montesano in the coverage. The coverage was good. But when you when you throw those deep balls to the sideline on the outside shoulder, there's a spot you can put it as a quarterback that makes it almost impossible for the defender to get. He threw two balls like that down the field in the second half when Castle Rock was starting to come back. So I thought his performance was really good, and overall I came away from it feeling like Castle Rock, not a bad team. I think for Monty, um, they had a backup quarterback in. Jackson Wilson's hurt. He's a broken collarbone, Ugh. which is – Horrible and unfortunate. That Andrew, you have how does that feel? Andrew's had a broken. It doesn't feel great. Yeah, <laughs> and it just ha- like it always feels like it happens to the kids that like. Why does it always seem to happen to the senior? It happens to the senior, and Every it happens time. to the senior that when you talk to somebody, they're like, "Oh man, that kid works really hard, and he's lovely, and he's a great leader." And I think with Jackson too, like, did you just say Jackson was lovely? He's lovely. He's did a lovely boy. I feel like that's. The second time we've described a kid like that on this show. Who'd you call lovely last year? Are we sure it isn't just Justin being old? I think Justin is. He's lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think I think um, the loss of Jackson is big, not only because you had a senior. And now Tyson Perry performed pretty (laughs) admirably in his sit. What what Rob says, this means he's no longer a backup. He's the starting quarterback. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Rob. 
Sorry. So I interrupted you. <laughs> no, you're good. I'm way too distracted by the comments. You went from a senior to a sophomore, and I thought Tyson Perry, like considering the fact that this was his first varsity start as a sophomore, he played really well. He made a play that uh, not a lot of people can make. I I would I would say where it looked like he was dead to rights for a sack and the defender had him in his grasp and he spun out of it and then rolled out to the right and then made a throw 22 yards down the field for a touchdown to uh, Tucker Eaton, who I literally almost just called Malachi Eaton, but restrained <laughs> myself and called Tucker. Well done. So that was, he did well, but like Jackson is like, he's, he's been in the program for a while now. He's the quarterback who's not only going to be able to go out there and make the plays for you, but he was also the quarterback who was going to make sure that everybody else knew what their job was at all times. So there is a drop-off there. Um, not because of anything that's wrong with Tyson, but just because it's hard to be Jackson. It's hard to be the senior quarterback who's been in the program for all this time. Exactly. I think the overwhelmingly obvious thing to me is that this offense will go as far as the line and Gabe Bodwell can take it. Because Gabe was punishing I felt that as physical of a runner as Gabe usually is he became he was on a mission he became additionally more physical and I know I mentioned last week a little bit that I felt during the Columbia White Salmon win for Monty that Gabe took a lot of bad hits at the like he played really well he had a great game I think 194 yards and three touchdowns but he took hard hits at the end of his runs and it felt to me like he had decided I'm going to be the guy who dishes out those hits instead of taking them. And he was taking it to the Castle Rock defenders. He had one truck that just knocked a guy totally on his butt. He kept, Gabe kept his feet and kept running. I was incredibly impressed with not only how he performed in the game, but also just the physical style and his mentality and the way he ran. So I think uh, Monty has... They only have one more non-league game before they get into the league schedule. If, and this one's against Shelton, and it's at home. Shelton, it's hard to, it's kind of hard to sort out some of these things because when we use transitive law and we're also kind of using history, like right. Rochester's generally been bad, right? Yes. Rochester just sort of kicked Shelton's butt. Oh. Montesano last year also kicked Shelton's butt. Right. But I have not thought of Shelton as a pushover in any way. I think they've been a generally competitive team. You know, they were one of the teams that ended up with Aberdeen in that Kansas City tiebreaker at right. the end of last season to get into the playoff. Right. So you have this game against Shelton, which you kind of wonder, you know, how competitive is that going to be? You know, Montesano's ranked fourth in the state. They've sort of just been romping all over everybody this year. The league is not as good as it has been. And as somebody who follows Montesano very closely, we kind of get into that scenario we've been in before. Like, are they going to be tested, like really tested before the season is over? And it's a bad mindset because there's lots of potential trip ups between now and then. Mm -hmm. You don't know what Shelton's going to look like. Eatonville and Tenino are kind of a mystery in league because Tenino has a brand new coach and it's reasonable to think that they will get better as the season goes on. Eatonville's replacing almost every starter. So it's reasonable to believe that they will get better as the season goes on. So uh, for Monty, I think the main thing is just not looking past any opponent, you know, sticking with week by week. We got to put our best foot forward. We got to make sure that when we play teams, games against teams that we're supposed to win, that we, we prove we're the dominant team and win consistently until we get to that uh, crossover playoff game. 
couple of comments hopping in here. Uh, Kyle Malinkovich says Rochester has Tonino's old head coach. Yeah. So that, oh, their old head coach. That's what it says. Okay, so they I knew somebody was in increasingly better. Somebody so. was in Rochester running the Tonino offense. I knew that. I didn't realize that the head coach had gone there. That's interesting. That is interesting. And Rob says Rochester isn't bad. It is just in the thick of a big ass giant lead in league. I don't know, man. Rob, They've been pretty bad for a long time. I've watched a lot of bad Rochester football, we've, we've, and not just when they play good teams. Yeah, but when they play bad teams too, <laughs> yeah. like Centralia. Yeah. Yeah, because so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to call a little little bit of a eh on that one. Um, yeah, Rob, we know more about local football than you do. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> Rob Burns, former editor of the Daily World. In case anyone doesn't know who we were talking about here, um, yeah. So I think I think I don't really have too much more on Monty. I think talking about Tyson and how he performed admirably, I thought in that new starting quarterback role, not a backup anymore. He's the starting quarterback, and then Gabe. Bodie Polar also had a really good performance. Um, and I, I think just, uh, you know what? One other thing I would like to mention. Okay. For Monty, we've talked a lot about their defensive line, right? Mm-hmm. You got three seniors there, Gabe Bodwell, Tyler Johansson, Camden Taylor. And we went into that Castle Rock game knowing, all right, Castle Rock played at Elma last week. And their offensive line was terrible. They couldn't protect the quarterback. And they, they looked bad on film, not you know not just from what I heard, but they looked bad on film. And I thought, they did a lot of max protect, but I thought that Castle Rock's offensive front performed pretty well against Monty's defensive line. Like, they did a good job keeping him out of the backfield. I did think that freed up a lot of other people to come up and make plays, and I would commend the rest of Montesano's defenders for being able to come up and make those plays. I, I got a shout-out, Gabe Pahala. I thought he had a heck of a game. He's the junior middle linebacker for Montesano, and, and I think he performed really – I don't have any individual tackle stats or anything like that, but I do know he was in the middle of a lot of plays, and he's a big hitter for Montesano as well. Nice. Um, Rob shouting out, shouting back that, uh, no, Rochester is a 1A and a 2A league. Like what others say about Aberdeen in the past, Aberdeen has moved up and Friday proved it. Finally, Friday proved. Oh, this last day, Friday proved it. Props for that performance. Again, man. So you're saying that Rochester isn't bad because I think he's saying they're because just we smaller. always yeah, but we always said Aberdeen was bad back then too. So just Whoa. because they're a smaller team, why are you taking shots at Aberdeen? No, I'm, just, I'm like <laughs> as a Hoquiam fan, Daniel said that Aberdeen was bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, you're saying Rochester isn't bad because they never win, but just because their league they're in. What, what really if we? Good? What if like, you add the? What is the qualifier that like Rochester is about to become a one? Did we used to call Aberdeen good, but we were just like, ah, oh, they're just a small team, but they're actually really good. But Rochester is literally about to become a one A team. That's true, which is weird because that area is growing. So is everybody living in Tenino or are they just like... Everybody's going to Tumwater. Tumwater? There's no way people are choosing Tenino. Like, no way. Over Rochester? I would choose Rochester 100 times out of 100 over Tenino? Tenino? Eugene, Oregon? That's how I feel about Tenino. I know. You got to Slimo and you got Crochester right there. Both, both, both places. Just, ugh. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I'm really hoping that uh, Kyle Malinkovich isn't from Rochester as we're saying this, but uh, if you are, sorry, Kyle. Yeah, sorry, Kyle. 
Um, <laughs> we're rivals. It's been like that for a long time. Um, let's Daniel this- has a really hard time letting things go. That's absolutely the truth <laughs> because I was right about to say, even when Rochester was in the same league as Hoquiam, that was like, oh, mark that one down as a 50 point victory in basketball. <laughs> even though, this, good. yeah. So before we wrap up and then, and go to our spivey athlete of the week, I want to just talk a little bit about what we should expect with the Hoquiam Elma game upcoming. Because we had kind of a split opinion on who should be favored in that game. And I, I think, uh, did we get another good comment? He just said, yes, glory days. Okay. Yeah. So that'll I, get us, that'll get us flagged in Russia for some reason. <laughs> Demonetized in Russia. Dang it. I think that most of the people in our circle were leaning Hoquiam in that game. Well, I was, is everybody else too? I think we got more Hoquiam response then we got Elma response, but I lean slightly Elma. And I think at least in part, like it might depend on who's quarterbacking. Like is Carter Studer going to come back? And the only reason I say that is not because I don't have confidence in Isaac McGaffey at quarterback. It's because if Isaac McGaffey plays quarterback, then he doesn't have himself as a receiver. Exactly. So if Carter Studer <laughs> comes back at quarterback, then McGaffey moves outside. They have more receiver options. Right. So I would tend to lean slightly Elma because I've seen what that offense can do when it spreads out and Carter Studer has a chance to just sit in the pocket and just deal the ball. But Hoquiam probably has the best athlete on the field in Xander Jump. So I, I, I'm curious, Daniel, kind of what your thoughts are. What are you looking at? Like, what are your key thoughts in that game? My key thoughts, my, my keys to that game for Hoquiam mm-hmm would be that they have to run the ball effectively so that Xander jump can be effective in the passing game. And I think last year, that's what we saw. It was a beautiful, dry, gorgeous night. And so when Xander did need to throw perfect, perfect conditions for him to do so, Mm -hmm. but also they found a weakness in Elma's defense last year and just hammered it with the run game. So I think if they can find some sort of weakness in the running game or find something that works and just continue to go to it, I think that'll be a big key for this game. I mean, Dominic Stansteifer as a running back is someone who I think showed me something in the Aberdeen game that when he gets into space can be explosive. There wasn't much opportunity when Oakland played Aberdeen because it seemed like he was suffocated constantly. But... If he can get some space, he can be a dynamic player. And then you have Xander Jump, who they find creative ways to let him be effective. And I think that um, he's just going to be – I think he's one of the best athletes in the harbor. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when he has the opportunity to make big plays, that uh, that's going to be huge for them too. Up front, they have to figure out how to make Elma one-dimensional. And if they can do that, I think they have a good chance of winning. So the thing for Elma is, for me, offensively, if Elma becomes one-dimensional, like they can't figure out how to run the ball, which I don't know if is true because, you know, Isaac Phillips is, is a good ball carrier. Right. And he might be able to get some things done. But assuming Carter Studer is back, you've got – Isaac McAfee, you've got Jacob Meadows, you've, you've seen Ethan Camus come through for them in their overtime win against Centralia. 
there's there's enough different guys who have been able to make plays in that system for Elma that one dimensional for Elma if you can make them just become a passing team is not really one dimensional it's it's multiple dimensional um, and I do think that Isaac McGaffey you know to me has stood out as athletically phenomenal o- only a sophomore but you know he might be a guy who you mentioned you know Xander Jump as one of the best athletes on the harbor from just a strictly athletic standpoint I think we could be talking about Isaac McGaffey that way coming up in the next couple years did a kitten just run into a door is that what happened oh poor kitten (laughs) I think Hannah did that on purpose (laughs) yeah she did (laughs) so unless do you have anything else you want to add about I still think it's going to be a pick them game right like this is not a even as a Hoquiam fan I'm not even going like Hoquiam by three touchdowns I'm like Hoquiam 24 to 22, you know, (laughs) this is going to be tight. And you know what? That is even back when Hoquiam was really good. I mean, Elma was going through a good run there too, but like those years where it was Hoquiam, Monty and Elma and everybody was like, Oh, this is going to come down to it Mm -hmm. because Hoquiam had some really good teams. The Elma games always turned into just absolute slug fests. So I think this is going to be more of the same. And I think the other thing, just as kind of a parting shot here, this game is really important. Mm -hmm. So I would like to make sure that everybody understands that even though these, this is not the best Hoquiam team we've seen, and this is not the best Elma team we've seen on the grander scale, when we're talking about playoff implications, this game is vital because the Evergreen League is wide open and our district has four allocations this year. So that means they only have five teams. Yes. That's kind of crazy, So the top four teams in our league will play in a district crossover game. Right. But if you can get the two, if you could be the second place team, you play a home game in a district crossover against the third place team from the Trico. Yeah. Big time. We have no idea how good Eatonville is. Yep. Tenino seems horrible right now, but as I mentioned, new head coach, we can see how they turn it around. Elma Hoquiam. So you got Monty, who seems to be... The, I mean, we're not in league play, so who knows. But Monty seems to be clearly the best. And then we have these other four teams that they could fall in any order and none of it would surprise me. Yep. So this game between Hoquiam and Elma is absolutely massive. I absolutely agree. Can't wait for Friday night. Yeah. Should be a good night at Olympic Stadium. And also, weather could come into play, too. Because if Elma is wanting to throw the ball over, all over the yard, a rainy day at Olympic Stadium gets messy in a hurry that is true it does well we need to move on to our spivey athlete of the week yes we we do we have several nominations and a couple of the people in the nominations are athletes we haven't discussed yet so let's go through the list we have gabe bodwell from montesano football we already mentioned he had 190 plus yards and three touchdowns against castle rock on thursday aiden watkins for aberdeen uh let me get back up to his stats here he had a really good game for the bobcats did I put his stats in the rundown? I don't think you did. Oh, he had something like 120. Oh, wait. No, that was Grady's stats. I want to say he had like 120 yards from scrimmage and then like another 50 yards or so on kick returns. Well, Coach Bridge said that he was probably around over 200 all-purpose yards again. I got a message saying he had 177 all-purpose yards, but that didn't include punt returns. So there could have been a little I don't know. I don't remember specifically any punt returns, but there right. could have been some more in there. So Aiden Watkins is one of them as well. Two touchdowns in that game. And that's the game of the week. So, like, 
I know this isn't necessarily a rivalry and, and you scoffed at me calling things a, a, a revenge game when it's just because the team beat you last year. Yeah. But this was not just a revenge game against a team that beat you last year. This is a team that kicked your butt last year. And also one of your one of your key seniors got injured in that game, as Todd Bridge mentioned. Yeah. And they're ranked in the state in a perennial power, and you took it to them, yep. and you beat them. Yep. So he gets that escalator there. Great game by Aiden Watkins. Austin Snodgrass yeah. for Raymond South Bend football, which one of these days we're going to have to watch a game. Like last year when PWV and RSB played, a couple of us made it to most of that game. Yep. And got to – I really want to do that because, like, I'm, I'm just tied up during – Football days because I've got a kid that's a senior playing for Montezano. Exactly, I need to see uh, these guys play. But he had a bonker stat line. Austin Snodgrass for RSB rushed for he's a quarterback mm-hmm. rushed for 137 yards and three touchdowns, passed for 97 and two more touchdowns, recorded 10 tackles, and had an interception return for a touchdown. Yeah, that's just nuts. Pretty crazy. Um, Isaac McGaffey of Elma football, we mentioned as well. He had a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown, and a pick six. Nice. So three touchdowns for them in that win. Here's one I haven't mentioned yet, and this is a nomination that we received. Bristol Toll for Acosta Soccer. Oh, I think I've heard about this girl. This is an interesting one because (laughs) Bristol, uh, the first thing I notice when I look at it is, okay, she had the first four games of Acosta's season, she averaged a hat trick. So she scored 12 goals over four games. <laughs> and if you trust Max Preps, which I'm not sure if I do because it's a site run by robots. Is it really? She was <laughs> the leading goal scorer in the entire state across all classifications Ooh. at that point. She had 12 goals. Nobody else had that. Okay. She's in eighth grade. <laughs> of course she is. So She's a... Got a Carly... Or a... Cameron Freeman situation. Carson Freeman. Carson. Cameron. Kelly. Curly. Karen. Larry Curly. Yeah. Is Freeman... Did I hear that Freeman moved to Adna? I have heard that as well. I hope that's not true. I'm pretty sure it's true. Oh, that stinks. Yeah. (laughs) So Bristol Toll of Acosta Soccer for the start to the scene. And there have been a couple more games since then. And I don't exactly know what happened, but it didn't, it looked like they got shut out in both of those games from what I could tell. But over the stretch of the first four games of the season, this eighth grader playing varsity against people that are four years older than her came out and averaged a hat trick (laughs) over the first four games of the season. That's nuts. Just totally bonkers. So Bristol toll in there as well. Jane Roloff still running. Of Hoquiam Cross Country won this cross country meet at Seaside, which I have been told she's the first Hoquiam Grizzly ever to finish first at this Seaside tournament. I bet that's a big meet. It's big. I bet that's a huge one. It's also called like the hard meet or something like it's 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 got it's difficult. Gotcha. And I saw a picture of Jane running across the finish line and she was all dirty. Like mud everywhere. Oh, no. And I was like, why is Jane all muddy? Then I saw another picture in that same post. They run through puddles of mud. Like at one <laughs> point, she's like the mud is over her ankles. That's crazy. So Rob that's says, why she was muddy. It's called the hard course. The hard course. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. 
the hard course at Seaside. So Jane Roloff being the first Grizzly ever to come in first place at the hard course at Seaside, which I we assume is a really big meet, and also gross outside and wet, and Jane <laughs> had to be really uncomfortable as she was running. But when she crossed the finish line, she had a huge smile on her face. Because she won. And also, running is nothing to her because she just does it because also not probably human. Maybe robot, maybe cyborg. We're not sure. Yeah, it's but one of the two. There's something there that, like, she runs too much that a human couldn't handle it. Exactly. So Jane Roloff, also a nominee. And then one final nominee was Tiggy. Hey, Tiggy! I thought you'd like this. I learned recently that this is going back a couple weeks, but Tiggy led his intramural dodgeball team Let's at St. Martin's to a championship. <laughs> yes. So congrats to Tiggy on your intramural dodgeball championship at St. Martin's. Do we have no <laughs> stats for this game? Championship. Come on, wow. Francis. It's called rings plus minus. No stats. Rings, one. <laughs> plus one. <laughs> rings. You put Tiggy's rings in a box and you put everyone else's rings in a box, Tiggy has one, everyone else has no. Not None. even the rest of his team? Just, well, no, they get a ring. Actually, I'm assuming they don't get a ring. Probably but, like, not. there's something when you <laughs> win a title, you're supposed to get a ring. Like, earlier when we were talking to Coach Bridge and I said, I think you want a Rose Bowl, he held his hand up yeah. to show us that he had Rose Bowl rings. Yeah. Like, you get a ring. It's a thing, right? Yeah, it's a thing. But probably not for an intramural title. They probably get a T-shirt. It's kind of like a rec sport. You could wear the T-shirt around your finger. <laughs> you could? Yeah, definitely. Well, I've okay. worn T-shirts around my finger. I'll prove it to you, you right You do now. have sausage Give me your fingers. t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You just really wanted to take off your shirt anyway. Um, so we got well, lots of good nominees for athletes. I have a way that I'm leaning. I'm curious which direction you're leaning. I Gabe Bodwell! <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaning towards uh, Austin Snodgrass. I'm, apparently, I'm becoming an RSB fan. But, I mean, this is an all-around killer of a game. It's against Adna, one of your league rivals. I feel like that's an escalator there. And that's uh, that game was nuts. I love the performance by Bodwell. It was massive. I love Aiden Watkins' performance as well. You're right. That was the game of the week. Massive upset. All the escalators are in there as well. Um, McGaffey had a heck of a game. Bristol Toll. She needed to keep scoring. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I love that too. <laughs> 12 goals over four games is not enough for you. Yeah, Jane Roloff at the hard course is awesome, but I think we've said this before. It's really hard to to win athlete of the week as a cross-country runner before at least districts. Yeah, This would probably be as close as Maybe you could Maybe the league meet. Get. We'll see how things go. Yeah. Um, and then, I, I'm sorry, I don't think. I, I'm not. I'm definitely not leaning towards Tiggy here. As much as I love what? Tiggy, I was leaning towards Tiggy. That was when I said I had a direction I was leaning. Yeah. It was going to be Tiggy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Tiggy. Intramural. You, as someone who played intramural sports in college, I thought you would appreciate this one more. <laughs> it is impressive. I never won an intramural championship. You had a pretty good flag football team, though. No, actually, my flag football team sucked. Oh, in intramurals. Okay. Well, never mind then. I did win a slow pitch playoff game once. Oh. But it was just one playoff game. So if you put your all of your intramural rings in a box and you put Tiggy's intramural rings in a box, he would have one, you would have none. Well, I think we already mentioned that you neither of us have any because I'm they also, don't give rings for intramurals. I'm not really sure what the box represents in this scenario. Like, why is it even necessary to have a box for the rings? It could be a bag. 
or just nothing at all. Like you put them on a table, but then what does the table represent? What's the symbolism there? What? Okay, we're traveling down another what rabbit hole. What does it all mean? This show. Who are we? <laughs> Why are we here? <laughs> What is Hannah's, Hannah's Hannah about ready to, to kick know us the same out. thing? Why are we here? Hannah's about ready to kick us out. It's almost six thirty. Um, so Gabe Bodwell, and then we just move on. I'm going with Austin Snodgrass. I am open to other votes though, but that's where my vote is going. And then hopefully somebody not for Raymond South Bend does something next week because <laughs> I have two notes. Okay, one is when I got this message about Bristol Toll yeah. earlier this week, I thought. There's no way anybody's going to do something that's going to top that. Right. Bristol Toll is going to be our athlete of the week. And then just as always happens, like all these stupid kids just do all this awesome stuff. Exactly. What like, the heck? Could, could most of you take a break from doing great things for a week? Just one week. Because that's what we're asking. as I was listening to the Aberdeen football game, I was like, oh man, athlete of the week's got to come from this game. Right. They just beat Prosser and Aiden Watkins had a great game. Right. And then I'm thinking back to literally the night before when I watched Gabe Bodwell trucking over a whole bunch of dudes yeah. and being the guy on offense for the fourth ranked team in the state. And then I saw what Austin Snodgrass did, and it really it, it cheesed me off. Like, I'm angry about it because, like, I want to give all these other kids and not just a bunch of Ravens over and over again right. the Athlete of the Week, and instead it's Austin Snodgrass. Austin Snodgrass is our Spivey Athlete of the Week, <laughs> and I'm not happy about it. Congratulations to Austin Snodgrass. Stop being so good. You are Spivey Real Estate Group Athlete of the Week. Well done. The award stays with Raymond South Bend this week. Absolutely ridiculous. Sorry to Cohen Anderson, who said it's got to be Gabe. No bias either. He does it every game. I like you sticking up for your boy, Cohen. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge. But, no, it's 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 Austin Snodgrass, and Justin's not happy about it. I'm not happy about it. <laughs> congratulations, also, congratulations, Austin. Austin. Good job. <laughs> also, uh, honorable mention, Tiggy. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to do it for our show today. Thank you again to our sponsors, Spivey Realty Group, the sponsor of our Spivey Athlete of the Week, and the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. So, for my co-host, Justin, I'm not happy about it, Domashevitz. And my co-host, Daniel, put all my intramural rings in a box, Hargrove. <laughs> and our trusty producer, Andrew, please be quiet, Gross. And our spectator, Hannah, why are you here? Gross. <laughs> You've been listening to this screen. Also, Gluteus Paximus. <laughs>